a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. So here we have the the promise of the virgin birth already. And and now it says that he, this promised seed, shall bruise you, the serpent, on the head. So this, and you will bruise him on the heel. So uh, this is talking about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. So this is the first gospel. What in the world? The Lord's Supper is to help rediscover your innate goodness? Holy smokes. That's like saying that glasses are to make sure you can't see. It's like saying your shoes are there to make sure you can't walk. It's like saying it's like saying a boat is there so that you sink to the bottom of the ocean. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard. Councilman Darren Lathan. Thank you, Mayor. On balance, I think as far as whether we do it on the 6th or the 12th, it matters about as much as my collection of Table Talk Radio points. Listener be warned, today's edition of Table Talk Radio might be mediocre. Oh, yeah. Do we have a Jane's treadmill warning? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> I think you're safe, Jane. That, yeah, that's Run us- on the treadmill. That's usually for humor, not for content, right? No, any sort of excellence. She's afraid both of excellence and humor. Oh, so. okay. I didn't realize she was looking at for both. Jane's, yeah, there's a double does... Jane's treadmill warning. She said... She said she was expecting mediocrity, and she had a moment of excellence and fell off the treadmill. Remember that? You can't remember? I, see, I just Did our remember, lawyer take care of that? I, I re- <laughs> Lumpy Chunklebuns the third. Oh yeah, Lumpy's Probably coming back today. Lumpy's big, Lumpy's oh, yeah. big return. He finally got over himself from being. Uh, he's all upset because uh, we were paying him in table talk radio points. Um, but he finally yep. got over himself, and he's back uh, in studio, coming down there a little bit down to Aurora and. Hell hath no fury like a private investigator spurned. <laughs> so uh, look yeah, forward to that it. for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then we're also yeah, going to be playing too. Bible Beat It's today. like a break. It's, I like to take these breaks from the radio show. So. Me too. And Bible Beat. Then I'm back after Lumpy leaves. I'm back for Bible Bee. I've got a new arch nemesis, don't I? Yes. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're tapping into to my uh, class, my, the graduating class of 2011 of Concordia Theological Seminary. Uh, so, <laughs> well, pretty soon you have some more uh, competition for Iron Preacher too. Uh, although we we uh, didn't we talk about uh, we wanted to get uh, Vickers to play you in, in Iron Preacher, but uh, it just took too long to have their <laughs> sermons approved first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vickers and Luther now are speakers. <laughs> uh, no, our, our Lutheran Hour. Well, actually, we have a new Lutheran Hour speech. That's a possibility now. I wonder if we could get them on. Yeah. Because yeah, the, the last yeah. one wouldn't come on, We should on, try right? that. Um, <laughs> what was, yeah, what was the excuse? It needed to be doctrinal. The sermon needed to be go through doctrinal review. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> preach. Which is hard to do when, you only, or when you're writing in 10 minutes. It's kind right. of hard to run that's, it through doctrinal review. That's true. Okay, we need to get to it because we have a... Uh, a, a couple emails that are uh, really big to, to tackle, so we're going to try this. Um, but first, the theological buzzword I have for you, Pastor Wolfmuller, is, it's a, actually a theological buzz phrase, wrath of God. And um, I'm looking at the definition posted on uh, tabletalkradio.org, and you must have written this because it says, wrath means anger. Most people think of God as just kind of a nice guy. That that sounds like you. Just a friendly fellow. That's you. Did you write this? You yeah. must have. Hey, God, what's up? 
What's up, God? And the idea that he would be really, really mad about sin just seems to escape most people. But the Bible says otherwise. I'm reading it. Tabletalkradio.org slash content slash buzzwords, and it's the last word on the page. Who wrote that? Did we hire some high schooler to define these words? That's like the new, that's like the, whatever the Anglican Theopedia was, whatever. It's some guy doing a research project in high school. That's that's going to be the new liturgy, hence how how the liturgy starts. Instead of saying, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, it'll just say, hey God, sup? (laughs) LOL. <laughs> Poke. <laughs> All right, but the Bible says otherwise. The Facebook liturgy. I bet you that exists. Don't worry, I'm going to pull it up right here. For the Facebook wrath of God liturgy. has, uh, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. God is mad at sin. So that is the Table Talk Radio definition of wrath of God. What is your theological buzzword for me? Uh, particular redemption. Which is the which is the nice way of saying limited atonement without using the word limited. <laughs> I was gonna say I've I'll never heard that before. Now I know why. Now mm. I know why. Now you know. What would be the opposite? Uh, of I'll let Lumpy redemption? define it when he comes on. So, what's the opposite of redemption? The opposite of particular redemption is the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're completely unbiased. Right on in, Calvinists. Right on uh, completely in. Completely unbiased and uh, open-minded here at Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Uh, well, c- to continue that, to perpetuate our open-mindedness, we have an email from uh, Jared uh, from Canada. Jared from Canada. He says, hey, guys, I'm sending you – actually, we have two emails, so we'll take them one at a time. Um, so the first one is entitled Question on Sovereignty of God and Lutheranism. Uh, and, uh, I, I'm supposed to be studying for a final exam right now, but I can't get a particular question out of my mind. In all seriousness – I would greatly appreciate if you guys could take the time to answer a theological question for me. Uh, as I have mentioned in a previous email, I have spent the last five or six years in Calvinistic churches. Again, dun, 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 music. Uh, while I have found the, the draw towards Lutheran we theology really to be irresistible, no pun intended, uh, I have uh, been, I've been having a real difficulty squaring away the doctrine of election as I have heard it taught in the Lutheran church. Can you guys please explain the differences between the two theologies on this point? My wife and I seem to be having real difficulty fully assimilating into a confessional Lutheran church as the resistibility of grace is commonly mentioned. It is a real comfort um, to me in Calvinism to know that my election was owing entirely to God and that he has even stronger than my wicked, my wicked heart, able to overcome my rebellion and bring me to repentance. Even Luther's small catechism affirms that we cannot believe in Christ apart from the sovereign power of God to overcome our rebellion. And doesn't Luther's bondage of the will teach that the sovereignty of God in salvation? I don't mean to rant. I'm just trying to articulate the confusion in my head. Um, uh, what, uh, one more paragraph. I've, I've heard good Calvinistic teaching affirming the sovereignty of God in the case of Pharaoh hardening his heart. And I've heard Lutherans, confessional Lutherans, go and teach that Pharaoh hardened his own heart, thereby affirming in their minds that God's grace is resistible. But the Calvinistic response is that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, as the text says, yet in such a way that leaves Pharaoh, not God, accountable. As Pharaoh's heart was already bent on sin, wanting to be hardened, can you guys spend some time clarifying this issue for me? I know that Lutherans affirm a one-sided election unto life, yet deny an election uh, to reprobation isn't uh, isn't is somewhere in the Book of Concord, 
and I just want to make things complicated. Okay, thank you, Jared, for the email. Uh, what say you, Pastor Wolf Mueller? Well, for, first of all, so the doctrine of election, uh, Francis Pieper, our buddy <laughs> Francis Pieper. Uh, well, first, before the first, I should say that I have not been able to find yet the Facebook liturgy, but I'm going to keep looking. <laughs> uh, second, and which is first, and that is, I, uh, the Francis Pieper says that the doctrine of election is the theologian's final exam because, finally, when we get to the doctrine of election, our reason simply has to punt because reason cannot make sense of, uh, of what the Bible teaches. It always goes too far one way or the other. Now, uh, the, what it really comes down to is this question, what's called the crux theologorum, the cross of the theologian, the question, why are some saved and not others? Because, we say, that if a person's saved, it's by divine monergism, which is about as close as you'll find a Lutheran coming to talking about sovereign election, divine monergism, which means that God alone saves us. Through the means of his word, God converts the, our own soul without an ounce or a single bit of help on our own. God does it. Uh, now, so, but then you say, well, if God is the one who saves us, then that means that if God doesn't come and save us, then we're damned, doomed to hell. So that must mean that God chooses to save some and then to damn others, or at least let others be damned. No, we say. In fact, if we are damned and, uh, and go at last to eternal punishment, it is completely of our own doing and not of God's who desires all to be saved. Well, if it's of our own doing that we're damned, then surely there must be some little bit of our own doing that gets us saved. Again, the answer is no, divine monergism. So you get stuck. Because we want to, uh, because we want to give the credit to uh, to salvation and damnation, either uh, to God or to man or to some mixture of both. So, I mean, just to be kind of to make it as simple as we can, uh, Calvinists answer the question: Why are some saved and not others? With the answer, God. The Arminians, on the other hand, answer the question: Why are some saved and not others? With the answer, man. Lutherans answer: Why are some saved, God, and others damned, man? And that division, that split between the question, is this is this marvelous mystery of what we talked about, and even uh, the email mentioned that election is for us a doctrine only of comfort and not of terror. So there is only the election to grace. Election is uh, falls under the category of God's love and His kindness, not of His wrath and anger. So there is no election to damnation; only election to salvation. The okay. clearest place, I think, to see it in the Scripture is where God says to those who, who, are, um, who are welcomed into heaven, come to the place prepared for you before the foundation of the earth. But then he says to those who are sent to outer darkness, go to the pre- place prepared for the devil and all of his angels. But hell ah. was not prepared for people. Okay, now respond then to the second point about uh, uh, the sovereignty of God in the case of uh, uh, hardening Pharaoh's heart. Um, how how did the Lutheran Confessions deal with this text? Oh man, I I'm trying to remember that the doctrine of election is formula, uh, oh, formula eleven, right? So if you go to the formula of Concord written in 1577, and they take up this topic against the um, against the uh, Calvinists um, in Article eleven there, and they talk about this, and they even bring Luther bondage of the will in on it, um, and. Uh, and, uh, does that mean we're done with the segment? Yeah, I guess uh, someone didn't make oh. that fade in too well. That's kind of loud. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll maybe finish this up when we're done. How does that sound to you? Sounds good. All right, we'll be uh, right back on Table Talk Radio, and uh, we'll continue with Jared's questions right after this. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We'll be right Table back. Table Talk Radio. 
for those who have tried everything else to get a good night's sleep. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Oh, it's Lumpy? I thought it was me still talking about election. Oh. Hold on. Let me. Is, is Lumpy there? Pipe smoke. Can we just yeah, say Lumpy's hi to Lumpy? Here. Hey, Lumpy. Hey, that? Evan. Yeah, hey, Evan. How's it going? <laughs> hey, let me right with you. What's... All right. Sounds good. All right, Brian. <laughs> let me put Pastor Wolfmuller back. Hey, okay, Evan. I'm back now. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's great. Okay. Uh, so we, here we are We're dealing with really uh, close to each other. the topic of uh, Pharaoh. Uh, so how do we deal with this, uh, Pastor Wolfmuller? Uh, let's see here. I got the, I found the, um, the section here in the Book of Concord. You can't be smoking your pipe yet unless, uh, Lumpy's on. I got all confused when you said, hey, Lumpy, I lit up. <laughs> Let me just snuff it out here for me. Hence Pharaoh, of whom we read, for this purpose I have let you live to show my power, so my name may be declared throughout the earth, did not perish because God did not want to grant him salvation or because it was God's good pleasure that he should be damned and lost, for God is not wishing that any should perish, nor, is any, he, nor has he any pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from their way and live. But that, but that God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh continued to sin and became more obdurate, the more he was admonished and was punished, for his preceding sin and his horrible tyranny with which he oppressed the children of Israel by many various and most inhumane devices contrary to the voice of his conscience. But after God arranged to have his word proclaimed and his will revealed to Pharaoh, and he deliberately rebelled against him, uh, all the abominations and warning, uh, uh, admonitions and warnings, God withdrew his hand from him, and so his heart became hardened and calloused, and God executed his judgment on him, for he was indeed guilty of hellfire. The holy apostle adduces Pharaoh's example for the soul, and this would be Romans uh, 9, 10, 11, for the sole purpose of thereby setting forth the righteousness of God, which God manifests towards the impotent and despisers of his word. And in no way does he want us to infer that God has not wanted to grant Pharaoh or any other person eternal life, or that in his secret counsel God had ordained him to eternal damnation so that he could not and might not be saved. Now, part of the problem with Calvinism, this is a special Calvinist episode accidentally? Yes. Is that the you is that the secret uh, counsel of God is exactly that secret? I mean that's otherwise you would call it the almost secret counsel of God or the secret <laughs> to everyone but the Calvinist counsel of God. This is the point. It is secret, and you can't start making judgments off of it. I mean, if God wanted to tell it to us, He would. What's that verse in Deuteronomy that says the hidden things belong to God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children? Uh, that's pretty good advice. It's like the it's like when the Calvinists start talking about how God condescends to us and gives us anthropomorphic stuff and all of this. Well, now how in the world if God if God has to if if God has to condescend to you, because if He didn't condescend, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't be able to comprehend Him. How in the world do you know that? I mean. If you can't know what's higher, that, that what's higher than what it is, then how can you know that there was something higher? It's like, well, God had to condescend to reveal Himself in with human emotion and human reaction, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, to everyone except for the Calvinists who know better. Okay, what? okay, but let's let's deal with this next part of Jericho. I think this is going to draw it out. 
uh, he, he sends a, a second email and he says, um, uh, asking questions about uh, assurance. He says, I very much want to lead my family into confessional Lutheran, Lutheranism out of Calvinism, uh, but I'm uncomfortable in doing so because it seems like I am exchanging a theology of assurance in Calvinism for a theology of uncertainty. What I mean is this. I find the idea that I can lose my salvation, apostatize, tr- very troubling. Some Lutheran teachers have been, uh, I've been listening to of late, have been very adamant that one can lose one's salvation, um, which uh, Hebrews 6, 1 Timothy 1 indicate, but that uh, it is also true that no one can snatch God's sheep out of his hand. If God wills for his chosen ones to be with him in glory, but they resist his will, uh then will then is not God's will being thwarted, um, and is not God's will then being defeated by the will of man? Uh, a horrifying thought. And uh, this is in essence my struggle. I have found Lutheran doctrine on matters of sanctification, anthropology. Oh, I love the anthro- Lutheran anthropology game. I asked for it for Christmas, but it never came. And uh, <laughs> baptism to, to be <laughs> just note it that one, there's one person out there that likes the Lutheran anthropology. <laughs> right, <laughs> and baptism to be very comforting. I was willing to move from Calvinism to Lutheranism because I find the combined Lutheran doctrines of sanctification and anthropology to be so very comforting. Yet the doctrine of irresistible grace frightens me greatly and robs my assurance. Okay, how would you respond? Now it should it should be the other way the the uh, the doctrine of resistible grace because Calvinism has irresistible grace, Lutheranism has resistible grace, and here's the difference. That comfort we we teach from the scriptures. We meaning we Lutherans teach from the scriptures that comfort is to be found in the external word of God, not in the internal work of the Spirit. So Calvin, remember Calvin, John Calvin, remember? I think so. Yeah, he said that we have to distinguish between two calls. Remember, this is the fount of error of all Protestantism. There's two calls. There's the external call of the gospel, which is general and universal, and then there's the efficacious internal call of the Spirit, which is how we're saved. No, mm. see? So the, Calvin, the Calvinist wants to find comfort in the internal call, and that's not where God has put comfort. He, his promise of the gospel is a promise, which is why we look to comfort not inside of ourselves, a la Calvinism, although don't the Calvinists get mad when we say that? Mm-hmm. You just can't resist it. I mean, the Calvinists, look... If you want to find comfort in the sacraments, then you just have to start calling yourself a Lutheran, for heaven's mm-hmm. sakes. Uh, yeah. Because it's it's the promise of the word that God gives us where, where we have confidence, where we have uh, assurance, where we have comfort. This this uh, and I would I would recommend um, uh, to all our listeners really, to, but to go take a look at Article 11 of the formula. You know the formula has two versions. There's the solid declaration, which is the long version, and then the epitome, which is the cliff notes. So you can look at the epitome. I just get a sense for it. Article 11 on election. And it, and it basically says this. Look, the Bible is written to both to teach us how to live, uh, 1 Timothy 3.16, or 2 Timothy 3.16, and also it's it's written to comfort us, Romans 15.4. And if, and if the doctrine either uh, leads to antinomianism or leads to despair, then it's not the biblical doctrine. And they said that ca- the Calvinist doctrine of election leads to both. Okay, That's why I, it's wrong. before we get to Lumpy, I have just two quick comments uh, to Jared here. Uh, first, um, I, it was very revealing that time. Remember we, that time we had Pastor Charmley on, on our show? We need to have uh, Pastor Charmley back. Um, but uh, afterwards, we were talking about it, and, and uh, we mentioned that you can have uh, uh, grace can be resistible when it comes through means. And last time we had Lumpy on, we were asking, were we asking? Oh, we were asking the question if the if the Methodists have the sacraments. But but uh, we we've talked a, a lot on the show about whether the Calvinists have 
have uh, true sacraments here, and uh, according according to their own teachings. And so when you don't have really the means of grace, God delivering uh, in an external way to man, then you just have kind of theology in the in the abstract. You you have God's arbitrary decisions. But when you have God delivering His real grace to external means, then they become very resistible. Um, so so God's word is coming to me, and I can uh, flee from that word. But I think, though, this this gives us this comfort then, because uh, Jared writes that he finds comfort in the Lutheran teaching of baptism, and then that is where our certainty is. So it it, it is completely contradictory to say, I find comfort in baptism, but not in the idea that I can lose my salvation. Because if you're finding comfort in your baptism, you have certainty for your salvation. And I've always asked these people who teach in uh, Once Saved, Always Saved, well, what about these people who are who grew up in the church, were, were Christians by everything that you, you can see, and then they just are just rabid atheists? What about them? How, how can you say that there is Once Saved, Always Saved? And the answer is always, well, those people, they were never really saved to begin with, which just begs the question. What, what question does it beg? Uh, I for, what is the question? Oh yeah, were they saved in the first place? And then, uh, then the question is, well, were, are do you think that you're saved? <laughs> so where is the certainty in that? In having uh, this once saved, always saved. So all right. Well, I'm sorry, Lumpy. We only have two minutes. Lumpy, what are we talking about? Uh, I oh um, hello, Evan. Uh, thanks for having me back. <laughs> uh, I'm investigating two questions. The first question is, where's my paycheck from Table Talk Radio? And the second question is, <laughs> is it true that the Calvinists actually teach that Jesus only died for a few people? Uh, so you're, you're, so you're, you're, you're addressing you this particular redemption. Um, so uh, th- this just seems so right, unbelievable. The Didn't the Pastor Wolfmuller give that to you as the buzzword? Uh, how, would, how would you know that? Yeah, I was sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, then uh, so I'll give you fifty points. Uh, oh, Pastor Wolfmuller says he'll give you fifty points for that. Thank you. Okay, so I'm redu- I'm re- I'm researching the question of particular redemption. I got a little book here. Okay, tell you what, five uh, points of Lumpy, Why don't we uh, have you talk about what you mean by particular redemption, and then on the other side of the break, we'll we'll get, let you give one of your quotes, and we'll push back Bible B a little bit. Okay, okay. So particular redemption, the idea is, uh, the, uh, the rumor is that the Calvinists teach that uh, that Jesus uh, only died for those who were chosen before the foundation of the world to be the elect, and that uh, those who were not chosen to be the elect were not died for by Jesus, so that his act of redemption is particular to a few. Okay, very good. So that is what we mean by particular redemption and uh, a limited atonement. And is that even possible that anybody could believe that? That is what uh, we're sticking Lumpy on. Uh, you're listening to Table Talk Radio, the one, the only. And uh, after this commercial break, we'll hear from Lumpy, get uh, one piece of piece of evidence from him, and then we're going to head straight into Bible B, uh, everyone's favorite game where we try to uh, discuss long gospel and try and guess which books of the Bible. Uh, there are. So you're listening to Table Talk Radio. Give us a call, 1-800-385-7652. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or get, send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Uh, right, uh, Bible Beer, after this, don't go away.
listening to Table Talk Radio. Never imitated, never duplicated. This kid is a gamer. He's a follower. He's a blade maker and a shot caller. In case you didn't know, I got keyboard. He shattered the mold. And all he does is win. All, all, all he does is win games. Listen. I got keyboard. He shattered the mold. And all he does is win. All, 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 he, all he does is unleash. Tell keyboard. Let him go. It's time. Turn him loose. Let him play. Let him play. Okay. On Sunday. Unleash. Tell keyboard. Let him go. It's time. Turn him loose. Let him play. Going to church, Simon. Yeah, aren't we happy to announce that uh, Table Talk Radio is now the official Lutheran theological game show of the Denver Broncos? Yes, it is. That's right. That we is. came out uh, this last week again when they were playing against the Steelers, and we uh, were officially in support of uh, the Broncos and Tim Tebow. I'm sure that's what helped them win. Now, when this show comes out, it'll actually be after the game that they're playing in New England. <laughs> yes. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> so we'll be celebrating their second playoff victory and on their way to the AFC Championship. Right. That is correct. All right. Yeah. Uh, we should we should uh, probably let the Broncos know that we're their official sponsor. <laughs> yeah, well, so we'll, we'll let Tebow know when we get him on the show. Yeah. Okay, a Tebow, or, or a Tebow, Lumpy. I wonder Lumpy. if I could work on a Tim Tebow impersonation. <laughs> oh, brother. Uh, Lumpy, we're glad that you know so much about our show and our relationship with Denver Broncos. Uh, so, okay, give us oh, yeah. then our, your, just one, one clue here that the Calvinists believe in limited atonement. I happen to have this little book here in my research I found. It's called Five Points of Calvinists by David and Steele and Curtis C. Thomas. Five Points of Calvinism defined, defended, documented. Here is um, part three, particular redemption or limited atonement. I'll just give you a paragraph here. Historical or mainline Calvinism has consistently maintained that Christ's redeeming work was the def- was definite in design and accomplishment, that it was intended to render complete satisfaction for certain specified sinners, and it actually secured salvation for these individuals and for no one else. The salvation which Christ earned for his people includes everything involved in bringing them into a right relationship with God, including the gifts of faith and repentance. Christ did not die simply to make it possible for God to pardon sinners. Neither does God leave it up to sinners as to whether or not Christ's work will be effective. On the contrary, all for whom Christ sacrificed himself will be saved infallibly. Uh, And then I should add then those who he did not sacrifice himself for won't. Redemption, therefore, was designed to bring past God's purpose of election. Did you hear that? Redemption was designed to bring path to bring uh, to bring to pass God's purpose of election. It's starting to sound. I have just begun research on this, but it's starting to sound like Calvinists actually do teach that Jesus didn't die for everyone. Okay, are you uh, willing to render yet a judgment, or are we looking no, no, forward I gotta to do more work. many I'm more shows? A... Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like being lumpy because it's a good excuse to get out the old... Uh, I mean, it's a, it's uh, it's nice when Pastor Wolfmuller likes the smell of when I come to the office. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Well, we should uh, get into this uh, this game of uh, Bible Bee. Uh Introduce then our our your, you have a new opponent uh, from the graduating class of uh, of uh, 2011 at Concordia Theological Seminary, Rhino Grotowitz, Pastor Rhino Grotowitz. Now, Ryan, I'm sorry, I forgot to ask you the name of your church there uh, down there in Texas. Yes, the name of our church is Victory in Christ Lutheran Church, and it is located about 20 minutes northwest of Fort Worth in a small town called Newark, like Newark, New Jersey, except. It is pronounced New Ark. 
Newark. It smelled. It, it spelled Newark, but pronounced Newark. That's correct. Even in my claw documents, they uh, specified <laughs> that it's Newark. So there you go. Very good. You must be in the Bible Belt then, huh? How in the world do you I, spell Agronowitz? There's like 50 letters in that name. Yeah, there is. Um, he's got and it does not it sound German. It is not German. It is Polish, actually. Oh, man. I'm going up against the Polish Lutheran pastor. Well, I, you are. Pastor Aguados, I'm just thrilled that you're willing to be on the on the program where we where we announce our affiliation with the Denver Broncos. Now I know you're you're a Cowboys fan. How are they doing in the playoffs? I'm trying very hard just to stay on the line. Um, <laughs> it's been a it's been a sad season uh, for the Cowboys, and you know I, I'm not sure I share your prediction that Denver will get a second <laughs> playoff win. But hey, I also didn't think they'd get past the Steelers, and look what happened. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, we're playing. I didn't think they'd get past the third game of the season. <laughs> well, uh, we're playing the game Bible that. B, and Boy. the way the way Bible B works is there's three rounds of Bible B. In the first round, the contestant gets three verses from the Bible to identify which book of the Bible it is located in. In round two, they get one verse, and then uh, round three, they get one word from the Bible and have to identify which book of the Bible that one word is located in. And uh, there's points for each round, 100 points for round one, 200 points for round two, and 300 points for round three. Now, before we start, this whole silly game is to talk about law and gospel. So, Pastor Ogrodowitz, would you please inform us, what is the difference between law and gospel? The difference is literally life or death. Now, what do I mean by that? I think we can define these two terms uh, very simply. If you're talking about the law, you are talking about what you must do, what what you have to do. Um, and if you want to see just the clearest, purest exposition of God's law, simply look at the Ten Commandments. And it is a work, again, it is what you are doing um, in light of God's uh, strict uh, commandments. Um, and so, very much uh, what the person is doing. That would be the law. The gospel, radically different. What God has done for you, the good news saying that for you, the sinner, dead in your trespasses, Christ died for you. No condemnation is there for the one uh, believing, living in Jesus Christ. Why do I say one life and one death? Isn't the law good? Isn't the law holy? Well, absolutely it is. But Paul makes it very clear, as does Jesus, that Life under the law, living and abiding by the law alone, uh, one puts himself uh, under a curse, because cursed is the one who lives in the law and does not do all of which the law says. It's an all-or-none deal. Versus the gospel, saying that all of your transgressions against the law, all of your sins have been forgiven by the blood of our Lord Jesus. So is there then a difference uh, in this law and gospel of, of when um, uh, sinners are to hear this word of God? Uh, what, what, as a pastor, how do you exercise this distinction in caring for souls? <laughs> a lot of prayer by God's grace and only um, by the Holy Spirit. Um, each person is different. Each scenario is different. Um, basically when you are encountering the sinner who is very smug in his sin or her sin. They're very comfortable. 
um, unrepentant, proud of what they are doing um, in terms of uh, transgressions, then they very much need to hear God's law. They need to hear His Word, pierce them, convict them, show them that what they are doing is a sin before the Lord Almighty, and um, they need to be driven to repentance, seeking the forgiveness in Christ alone. Now, on the other hand, when you believe you're dealing with someone who is, oh, just feeling the pain of their sin, I mean, they just, they know they've really messed up. Um, or as, as a parishioner told me the other day, she doesn't feel like God to love her, and she's not worthy of, of his love. Then it's a different ball game. Then that's when it, it is time to, to pour it on thick and remind such a person that it is by faith, it is not by one's works, it is not by one's, and, uh, one's own um, innate worthiness um, and righteousness. No, no, rubbish. By faith in Christ, by His righteousness imputed, given, transferred upon the person. By that, by God's work, such a person is forgiven. And so, depending on who you're dealing with, um, it's a difficult art when to speak the law, when to speak the gospel, uh, taught only by uh, the Holy Spirit, and none of us do it perfectly, but that is a basic summary of when we apply each. Uh, very very good. Thank you, uh, Pastor Aguilar. It sounds to me, by the way, that these, these questions are you interviewing for a new co-host. Uh, I just want you to let you know that hey. I sniffed that out already. Uh, Lumpy, would you... <laughs> Lumpy just cracked that open. If Lumpy wasn't there, you would have never figured that out. Uh, all right. Um, all right, Pastor Wolfmuller. I, I, I do want to want to say, uh, Pastor Wolfmuller, I, I do listen to your um, excerpts on issues, etc., and I am a big fan. Oh, come on. So, all right. Let's, so, all right. Here we go. Throwing that out did, there. did you notice that he's a big fan of know, you every, on issues, etc., not on Table Talk Radio? Did you notice that just now? Whenever I, go to, whenever I go to places, people say, hey, I've heard you on Table Talk Radio. You're great when you're on issues, etc. I just love hearing yeah, you. Yeah, I know. He gets the soundbite of the year. What happens in a when you're on, on your issues, own show? You go nuts. I keep telling oh, yeah, you to, to, to oh, save some of the sound bites for Table Talk Radio. Good grief. <laughs> this is where I try it all out. All right, uh, Pastor. I'm going to give you a round of one, kitchen. and you're going to have right, you're going to have the break to consider it, or if you want to give it before the break, that's fine. Maybe we should have it. All right, I'll before go the fast. Break. Okay. Behold, yes, I received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot revoke it. He had uh, he has not beheld misfortune in Jacob, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. The Lord their God is with them, and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. And he is for them like the horns of a wild ox. Oh, man. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful passage from an Old Testament book. Um, <laughs> I think you might be trying to trick me because it sounds kind of prophetic, but it could be uh, it could be from the book of Psalms. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll it over over the break. All right. After this break, we'll get uh, Pastor Wolfmuller's guest for... Round one of Bible B. He is uh, playing with a contender against Pastor Ryan Ogrodowitz, pastor of Victory Lutheran Church in New Ark, Texas. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to pray and how to save my soul. Raise my God and still play rock and roll. The music may 
sound different, but the message is the same. It's just an instrument to praise his name. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Table Talk Radio will be right back. Genesis, Exodus, the Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Joshua, Judges, Ruth. First Samuel, Second Samuel, First. Behold, I received a command to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot revoke it. He has not beheld misfortune in Jacob, nor has he seen trouble in Israel. The Lord their God is with them, and the shout of a king is among them. God brings out, brings them out of Egypt, and is for them the horn of a wild ox. That's your entry for round one of Bible B. Pastor Wolfman, there any idea? You know, I'm not wondering if that's what uh, he blessed him and you cannot revoke it. That sounds maybe like what um, uh, what Balaam said uh, in the book of Numbers. Well, you know, remember Balaam? The king hired him and said, hey, go and uh, Balak hired him to go curse the Israelites. He says, I can't curse him. Uh, but this, this talking Israel and Judah, both northern and southern kingdom, uh, makes me think more prophetic. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Balaam though in the book of Numbers. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> we have the baby. Woo! Victory dance. Woo! Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, that's that's good. I I thought you were gonna go away from Numbers. Do you, would you have gotten it if I didn't read it again? Were you thinking? Probably not. Oh. All right. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, Ryan. We'll read it twice for you, too. All right. First, law and gospel, though. Is that law or gospel? Oh, I didn't even think about it. Um, let's see here. That is um, the voice of the kings in the midst. God has blessed Israel. That's, um, that is gospel. The Lord is protecting his people, and he's going to bring them safely into the promised land. Uh, that's what that is. All right, very good. Let's go then to round one for Pastor Ryan Ogrodowitz, pastor of Victory Lutheran Church in Newark, Texas. Uh, and pull up your verse here, Ryan. Okay, all right. Your three verses are as follows. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, and they drew near the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that so that he may not die. For I will appear in a cloud over the mercy seat. And in this way, Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Um, yes, the, the tragic death of Aaron's two sons. I'm going to go with Leviticus. Leviticus is correct. Ding, 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 ding. So 100, he even take as long as uh, Brian on that. Wow, that was quick. Um, all right. Hey, uh, do you know, by the way, if you write your initials, uh, Pastor Ron Agronowitz, it's, it's pro, and Evan, your your initials are peg. Thank you. Hmm. Anyway, uh, Pastor Agronowitz, uh, is this law or gospel? <laughs> wow. You know, I think since we're dealing with, you know, they, they, they bring unauthorized fire um, to the the presence of God, the mercy seat. Um, and so they're coming into his presence wrongly. Um, so I, I will I will say it, it's law um, in the sense that the, the the sinner, not robed in Christ, the sinner who, who believes that they can just approach God and stand before him any way, shape, or form they imagine, 
Um, they literally come before him apart from the sun, where, where John 3 tells us that apart from the sun, the wrath of God remains upon the person. And so um, I would say law, and, and Aaron's son, I'm not saying they're unbelievers uh, necessarily, but they do disobey God's command and come before him in the wrong manner, and for that they do pay with their earthly lives. All right. I will then award 200 points for the uh, exposition of law and gospel. Oh, by the way, you get 200 points too, Pastor. So 300 to 300 is a score. Uh, now let's go into that. round two of uh, Bible B, Pastor Wolf, and your round two entry is this. Uh, now, it was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> it was the custom. So this is a history book talking about what the custom was in Israel when they were, what does it say, when they were doing what? Uh, redeeming and exchanging. Is that what you're talking redeeming about? Redeeming and, yeah, redeeming and exchanging. Now that... Um, uh, you know that uh, a history book. I mean, a history book in the Old Testament. So that's going to limit it to a few, um, and it's got to be a little bit slightly later history. In fact, it, in fact, what I this sounds like is a, a book that's written about events that happened maybe a few generations past. Like, hey, this is how they used to do it back then. And the book that fits closest that bill would be um, when Samuel. Uh, is writing when David is becoming president about David's lineage and talking about uh, then David's family, namely uh, his father, Jesse, and his grandfather, uh, Boaz, and his grandmother, Ruth. And I think this sounds an awful lot like when um, when when Ruth, uh, when Boaz marries Ruth and the other kinsman refuses to do the duty of a kinsman redeemer. So I'm going to say this is the book of Ruth. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> two for two. That is correct. Oh, man! <laughs> Another victory dance! Oh, <laughs> I didn't even know you knew about the book of Ruth. <laughs> it's Esther I don't know about. Oh, oh that's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, so 200 points. I'll show points. you how to do the victory dance sometimes. <laughs> All right, law or gospel? Um, da, da, dee, dee, dee. This is, a, this is a, I think, a law thing, although the idea of the kinsman redeemer is foundational to the gospel, that, you know, if someone sold themselves into slavery, in order to be um, redeemed, it had to be by a kinsman, which is a lot of the logic behind the incarnation. Jesus, to redeem us, has to be our brother, is to take upon our flesh. But this is a law. This is a law thing. The laws of redemption. All right, I'll give you another two hundred for uh, law and gospel. That's five, oh. three, eight hundred <laughs> points. This is this is the best that Pastor Wolfenlier has ever done in table talk ever done history. Uh, Ooh, dog. But don't worry, I'm Ryan. Coming after the one word, uh, Pastor Gradowitz. You have uh, your one verse. Uh, round two for you is this: I will put enmity between you and the woman between. Your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I'll admit, I think I think Pastor Wolf Mueller is getting harder verses. <laughs> hey, um, well, sh- 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 <laughs> that's just my opinion, though. I mean, people are, are certainly free to disagree with that. Um, <laughs> but we're, <laughs> of course, we're talking about crushing the head, um, bruising the heel. 
of the woman's offspring and crushing the head of the serpent. Sounds like Genesis to me, so I'm going to go with Genesis. Ah, that is correct. So 200 more points, you know, 500. But would that be law or gospel? Gospel, of course. <laughs> um, I mean, crushing the serpent, the serpent's head, you know, the, the, the source of all, uh, you know, the head on any living creature that's gone, there's no life. I mean, you hear that passage and the language that Moses is very much gospel. Um, Satan is crushed, his reign is defeated, no more, and it will be done ultimately by our Savior Jesus. So, yep. That is correct. Gospel it is. So 800 to 800 is the final score. This is like overtime. Let's see who the Tim Tebow is here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, didn't I? Aren't you, uh, who, who, what nicknames were we talking about? Aren't I the Tim Tebow of Lutheranism now? <laughs> or Tim Tebow is no. like the co-host of Table Talk Radio. Which, is, which way does it go? What did we say? Didn't, and didn't you think of it a funny name for someone else? Weren't you going to be like uh, well, the Jack Nicholas of Lutheranism? <laughs> no, I didn't. The, say that. the Doogie. Ha- weren't you the Doogie Hauser of Lutheranism? <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, let's go to round. Go round three. Here we go. Uh, this is this is the toughest round because you only get one word to to sniff out what book of the Bible it appears in. And uh, Pastor Wolfmiller, your one word is this is this is a word that is especially near and dear to my heart. Um, it is the one word rogue. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you have the Rogue River right there out yeah, in the back door of the yeah. church. Um, oh, this is an easy one. I mean, I get the easiest last. The, <laughs> the word rogue is obviously a, um, a um, old, um, old Testament. Uh, <laughs> rogue. Um, and it sounds like it's used in a narrative book, but I bet not. I bet a, a word as, as kind of a, with as much flavor as rogue is used in poetry. Uh, and I'm gonna, in fact, I think of the the rogues uh, that uh, that the Solomon warns against in the book of Proverbs. Yeah, baby, Proverbs. You have got to. No, that's not <laughs> incorrect. Oh! <laughs> I thought I had it. No, this is actually uh, from the book Isaiah. Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah. Oh, yeah. Man. So uh, it appears twice uh, in uh, verse uh, thir- or chapter 32, verse 5 and 7. No longer will the fool be called noble or the rogue be spoken of as generous. And verse 7, as for a rogue, his weapons are evil. He uh, devises wicked schemes to destroy the afflicted with slander, even though the needy one speaks what is right. Gotcha. So, Lar Gospel. Um, I don't know. Uh, so, uh, give me the give me the first one again. Are they the, they are not the same thing? That's a problem. Yeah, no What's longer. Okay, we'll just do the first one then. No longer will the fool be called noble, or the rogue be spoken of as generous. This sounds to me like the um uh, the, the when the kingdom of God comes and everything is set right, and so um I, that's what it sounds like to me anyway. So I'm I'm I think I'm going to say that that's going to be gospel. This is this is the benefits that come along with Jesus and His kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it is chapter 32, which starts, Behold, the king will reign uh, righteously, and the princes will rule justly, and so on and so forth. Gotcha. So, gotcha. very good. All right. Uh, now, uh, Pastor Grotowitz, are you ready for round, 
for round three. You could be the Tim Tebow of the show. Well, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that, that really uh, bolsters my desire to get it right. Um, <laughs> He's gonna punt. He's gonna spike the ball. <laughs> I'll just pass and, and give it to Pastor Wolf. He'll he'll kneel it down. Is what he'll do. Uh, all right, your one word clue for round three of Bible B for the win is the word Omega. Well, um, I think about Omega, and then I think about Alpha, the uh, Alpha and Omega, and I know that word occurs in the book of Revelation. I'm not sure if it occurs anywhere else. I don't think it does. So, Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, God incarnate, I'm going to go with the book of Revelation. That is correct. For the win, Pastor Ogrado pulls out the W uh, there at the end. Uh, that was a close one. <laughs> Hot dog was that close. Now, I'll this is what. tough, though, because now he has the task of distinguishing law and gospel. It appears three times in Revelation. I'll, I'll just do, uh, I don't know, chapter 21, verse 6. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the I, gi- I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water without uh, sorry the spring of water of life without cost would that be law or gospel? Well, in that that particular uh, usage of omega is gospel. I mean, given the one who hungers and thirsts, uh, it reminds me of John six when Jesus says, "I am the bread of life." Um, whoever feasts on my flesh, that kind of language. So the idea of giving the hungering and the thirsty ones uh, life, clearly uh, a gospel text with that use of the word omega. So I'm going to go with gospel. You are correct. All right, that is the win then for Pastor Ryan Ogradovitz. He's a pastor at Victory Lutheran Ooh. Church. And new arch, and my Texas. new arch nemesis, <laughs> new arch nemesis, uh, pulling out the win, and uh, I think we've seen the uh, victory dance stop there, uh, there in Aurora. Thank you, uh, Pastor Aguados, for being on Table Talk Radio. You're welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, guys, and have a blessed Epiphany season. You as well, and thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio, where the points absolutely, definitely, without question, do not matter. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.